0: same country, shepherds living out in the fields watching their flocks by night the angel of the Lord appears and they're afraid, we talked about that a little last week and the angel says don't be afraid I'm bringing you good tidings of great joy, I'm bringing you good news which is for everybody there's born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord Now I'm glad that the scriptures don't say for us Christ a Lord it's Christ the Lord definite article meaning there's only one the Lord and as many have said if he's not Lord of all he's not Lord at all right if he's not Lord of all he's not Lord at all the sign was given to them of the baby wrapped in the cloths in the the manger and they found that to be true my focus this morning, I'd like it to be, in verse 14, this quote of the heavenly hosts and what they're singing. <clears throat> glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. It's in verse 14 of Luke chapter 2, and some of yours reads a little bit different. Somebody tell me what yours says. If it's a little different than this, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. To people whom God favors, okay. To, to, all God favors. to all whom God favors, okay. Is there another one? Beth? I glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom His favor rests. Peace to men on whom His favor rests. Another version, maybe it's yours, says, "Peace on earth to men of goodwill." I'm just pointing this out because even though they've made changes in the versions, there's something they didn't change. It doesn't alter. It's the peace part. <laughs> peace. Peace. The angels were understood that the birth of Jesus was the ushering in of the great peace bringer. It's hard to say. The great peace bringer. Bringer. The word peace in the Greek, not that it's a deep study, but most of us understand at least basically that the Greek language is so expressive and so compact that it often takes six to eight, sometimes ten English words to unpack one Greek word. This this Greek word is irene. Irene, peace, a state of rest, quietness, and calmness an absence of strife, tranquility. It's used 92 times in the New Testament. And it generally denotes to us perfect well-being. It includes in its understanding a harmonious relationship between God and men, between men and men, the peace that comes in a nation, which is hard to find today, It's hard to find a nation at peace. It talks about the peace that exists inside of family units. And I'm not looking at you on purpose. Peace. Jesus, as we'll see in a few moments, and we sang about this morning, has the title Prince of Peace. He's the peace giver. He's the peace bringer. If this is true, and it is, then it tells us that peace doesn't come from anywhere else. Real peace. You may have quietness. You may have tranquility. You may have a space in your life where you go and get your coffee or your tea and you're by yourself and you finally go... Many of you homemakers this week and family uh, matriarchs and patriarchs and you're... In your calendar this week, you're going to look for that spot, aren't you? Traveling and preparing and I've got six things to do and f- a company thing and I've got a family thing and the in-laws are coming and the outlaws are coming. And, and it's, it's tense and you look for just a spot where you can go. And then as you're trying to relax and have a little moment of tranquility, you you're just ramping up for the next round. You just, not, oh, I got to do it again. You know, did I burn anything? Did I forget anything in your preparations? And but Jesus tells us that He's the Prince of Peace. It has to come from Him. It has to come through Him, not from the external circumstances. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth. Let me say it this way. And on earth, rest, quietness, calmness, absence of strife, tranquility, perfect well-being to men of goodwill. I'm sorry, ladies, but evidently you were left out. (laughs) You know that's not true. Peace. Turn with me to Numbers if you have your Bibles you'd like to join. Numbers chapter 6. It occurred to me that what we call the priestly blessing, Numbers chapter 6, that in this book of Numbers as, as it begins, of course we know this is the countings and the, the, the census of Israel, but there's also this moment where the sons of Aaron are selected out and the tribe of Levi is actually purchased by God. Of all the tribes that exist, God had always said, every firstborn is mine. Animal, child, didn't matter. Every firstborn belongs to me. And in this moment, God says, I'm trading you, the nation of Israel, all the firstborn, for the tribe of the Levites. And it's, it's an interesting thing because God does it. But uh, it's amazing to me that the exchange is made and they actually count and value everything and everybody and when they get done, the children of Israel actually owe God a little more than what they have to offer. So they have to bone up and pay the difference. <laughs> God's like that, I guess. And, uh, but he had separated the Levites for himself said, Now you're the priesthood, you're going to be the, the go-between between myself and the whole nation. And of the tribe of Levi, I select Aaron as the high priest. And his family became, as what we know, the Aaronic priesthood. They had the major responsibility of the spirituality for a whole nation. And after that's all arranged here in Numbers chapter 6, verse 22, the Lord speaks to Moses saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, the priesthood, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, lots of us have heard this, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. This is the blessing that comes from God directly through his priesthood to an entire nation. Think of the transfer. God wants to do something. He chooses his leadership and he moves through them. And one of their first assignments is that when you're blessing and this word "bless" is pretty powerful too in the Hebrew. But nonetheless, they're give, actually giving something away from God to men. He says, he includes in this peace. Give them peace. You and I, if we were Jews and we saw each other on the street coming toward one another, what would we say? Shalom. shalom. Peace. We're not saying hello. We're saying shalom. Very different. It could become trite, just like saying hello or hi or how are you, but shalom in the Hebrew, 250 times it's used in the Old Testament, means completeness, wholeness, peace, health, welfare, safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, perfectness, fullness, rest, harmony, and the absence of agitation or discord. All of that from shalom. And the next time somebody says to me, shalom, I'm just going to get my catcher's mitt on in the spirit and say, bring it. Because I could use all of that. More than a greeting, it's a blessing. God says, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. Great phrase in this Hebrew blessing. May, may he turn his face towards you and look directly at you. May he lift up his countenance upon you. Is a, is a great phrase for the Hebrews that meant that God would turn his attention away from everything else and just glance upon you. May he lift up his countenance. And if God lifts his countenance upon you, he's not frowning. Right? He's not the hound dog of heaven. He's not the pit bull after you. He's looking to bless and to send himself in your direction. May he be gracious to you and lift up his countenance upon you. And be sure to tell them, Aaron, may he give you peace, completeness, wholeness, health, welfare, safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, perfectness, fullness, rest, harmony, and the absence of agitation. Now, some of you moms this week, you think one of your—that's one of your children's names. Your agitation. <laughs> I know you. <laughs> God, God's going to bless me with the absence of agitation if you're not careful. The root word of shalom means to be complete, perfect, and full. Which means that when we talk about peace, it's more broad than just the absence of war. Oftentimes when we use the word peace, that's what we're thinking. There's no conflict. But God's got a bigger perspective. Not only is there an absence of agitation, but inside of this blessing is the completeness you need. The fullness, the health, the restoration, the power of his presence. The wholeness that the entire human race is looking for. Think about it. You have a biblical worldview? Part of that is what's going on in the big what we call the meta narrative. What do we what's going on in the whole picture of the earth? Men are searching constantly and sometimes viciously for peace. They want it their way though. And when there's a conflict, it's because the way I want it doesn't agree with the way you want it, and then that turns into national conflicts and geopolitical conflicts, and even religious conflicts, right? But what men and women are searching for all over the globe is this peace that is yours for free. It's yours because you have said yes to the Prince of Peace. Anyone who has asked Christ to come into their life, and we had a a gentleman stand up in our service last night here. I, I opened the floor and I just said, anybody need to say anything or want anything? This man stood up and said, I came to surrender my life to Jesus. <laughs> I said, now there's a man that's opening up for the peace of God to enter his life. He confessed briefly of conflict. I'm tired of failing. I can't believe how, what a mess of my life I've made. And I need him. I need to be a good soldier for Jesus. And I need to surrender. I said, well, there's the entrance of peace. Conflict in the life is only settled by the presence and the person of Jesus Christ. That's what we're celebrating this time of year, is the entrance of the Son of God, and He brings Himself as the Prince of Peace. Now I'm taking a chance. I'm speaking soft and slow because I want to generate an atmosphere of peace. I don't want to be yelling this morning because it's out of order. But don't you dare go to sleep. (laughs) Just kidding. You can sleep if you want. If you can get that much peace here, take it. (laughs) Isaiah chapter 9, we referred to this. It's important for us to know where these passages are. Prophetic of Jesus by the prophet Isaiah. Amazing, some 700 years before... He arrives and in an immensely accurate, of course. Verse six For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. I'm visual. When I think of something increasing, I see it had its inception. and As it breaks forth, it begins to expand and broaden, but it begins to to widen out and to keep coming. It reminds me of Deuteronomy 28, where it says that when you're serving the Lord and you're obedient to his commandments, that his blessing will come upon you and overtake you. You can't outrun it. Because it's going to increase and expand. If you're old enough to remember, it's kind of like the blob. (laughs) If you're not old enough to remember, Peggy's got the black and white. and You can borrow it. And some of us are looking at us like, what is that? It just kept expanding and consuming everything in its path. Well, we're talking about, the increase of his government and the increase of his peace. It expands. It's getting bigger. I was in communication this week with a pastor in India. His name is Suresh. And he wrote to me, I just met him via the internet and via a mutual friend Michael Sove in on the East Coast. He's in Maryland. And Michael's on his way to Suresh in Uh, India, to help him understand more clearly concepts about cell ministry and penetrating the nation for Christ. And and Suresh is writing, he says, just remember us and pray for us, you know, we're expanding in the cell ministry, we're we're beginning to affect other churches, and we have a network, and our own church has this many cells, and people are getting saved, and you know, things are happening, so pray for us, and pray for Pastor Michael as he comes over, because Mike's going over just after Christmas to spend some time there ministering. And, I, and it occurred to me, of the increase of his government, there'll be no end. Until Jesus comes, his kingdom is continuing to expand. And as it expands, it expands heart by heart. Not geopolitical, not boundary line, governmental or national. It happens in individual hearts that surrender to Christ. You and I, we give our hearts to Christ, we become part of the kingdom of God. When Jesus began his preaching ministry, what was the first thing he began to preach? The kingdom of God has come. Where I am, if you'll allow me to stand in his place for a moment, he's saying, where I am, I'm the king. <laughs> king of kings and lord of lords. And where I am, I'm the king, and therefore I have a kingdom. As he stood before Pilate, remember he said, if if this world was the kingdom I was talking about, then I'd just command my guys to come and fight, but that's not the way this works. My kingdom is a kingdom of the heart. And of, the, of its increase in my government, there'll be no end. It will continue to expand until I return the second time. And then I'm going to rule it all. not that awesome? And at the same time, his government over hearts within nations and within countries of the world is expanding, so is that peace. It's amazing that where Christianity shows up, things get better. You know, when you go and take... Your, your faith to the streets and you take your theology and your biblical worldview and all these big words uh, to, and say, I need to live by it, people end up building hospitals or, or rescuing young ladies or bringing health and help, uh, digging wells and putting in sewage systems and trying to improve life because his government is expanding in the spirit, but it also affects the natural. And when those things begin to be implemented, there comes a great level of peace. In those cities, in those places where Christ has come. For us a child is born and a son is given, Prince of Peace. I'm glad that this peace is increasing more and more. John chapter 14. In verse 25, Jesus is saying, John 14:25, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. And I can tell by the pages you're almost there. John 14, verse 27. First word, peace. Jesus is speaking, peace I, give, I leave with you. My peace. I give to you. Not as the world gives, give I to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You've heard me say to you, I'm going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said, I'm going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. And I have told you before it comes, that when it does come, you come to pass, you may believe. Peace, peace, I leave with you my peace. Not just temporarily absence of conflict or a better day, you know. uh, I'm sure glad Monday's over and it's Tuesday because Tuesday's better. Not that kind of peace. Peace that's residing. It's inside. comes from within. It's Galatians 2.20. I've given my life to Christ. Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. We were at the cross together. He took me there. My punishment was laid on him. My penalty was his. And he impaled it in the cross. And I was there in that moment. Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I'm alive. But it's not me that's living. It's Christ living in me. The life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's my life. That's where peace comes from is the Son of God internal. It's his peace. If we were to fast forward to Galatians chapter 5, around verses 22, 3, and 4, you'd find that, and it's out on the wall now, there's a little sign, that says, live by the fruit of the gifts of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. It's His fruit. It's His character. It's His nature. And when I yield more and more to Him in me, then my nature and character become more like Him. Have you ever laid off on your parents that you're just the way you are because of your gene structure? Well, my parents were like this, and you know, I'm just the chip off the old block, and you know, the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, and I like to think the nut doesn't fall too far from the tree. <laughs> we kind of classify or categorize ourselves as being the way we are because of our inborn gene structure. Let me, let's change it this morning. Let me attempt it just for a second. I began to, re- to review at one point in my Christian experience that. If I was dead, the Bible says I was dead in trespasses of sins, Ephesians chapter 2. But the Spirit of God came and I was reborn. I was born again. Jesus said you must be born again or you can't enter the kingdom of God. You can't enter the kingdom of heaven. And Nicodemus is quizzing him in John chapter 3, how do you get born again? He said, I can't, you know, go back to my mom and do that process. So what, what are you talking about? He says you have to be born of the Spirit. When that's when I was born again. It was by the Holy Spirit. Now I've got his gene pool. Hello? My gene pool's not worth much. His is great. I'm born again. It's because he brought me to birth. Therefore, you already have the character and nature flowing inside of you because you're born again. Your spirit man can have the same character traits. You don't have to say, well, you know, picking on some who redheads. You know, oh, I just have a short temper because I'm a redhead. You know what? Sarah Hastings doesn't have a short temper. Right? She's got a beautiful head of red hair. And she's got the peace of God in her. It comes out because of the character and nature of God has overtaken any kind of geneful structure in the natural. So next time you start to lay it off on your parents, they say, oh, wait, wait, wait. My parenting is from God. My birth came from God. I didn't bring much to the table and he brought a lot more. Therefore, my character and nature is love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, self-control, faith, these things. That's me. I need to grow up into it. John chapter 16. After Jesus has this kind of lengthy conversation, if you happen to have a red-letter Bible where all the things that Jesus spoke are in red, you'll find that Fifteen, and you know you can back all the way into fourteen. Uh, you got fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen. There's lots of red. Jesus is doing a lot of talking, and when he gets to the end of this conversation in verse thirty-three, he says, "These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have what? I completeness, fullness, perfect well-being, harmony between you and I, harmony between you and others." Harmony in nations. Harmony and peace in families. I've spoken to these things that you might have peace. In the world you'll have what? Tribulation. Is this like an oxymoron moment? Wait, you just said I could have peace, but now you're telling me I don't have tribulation. In the world there's tribulation all the time. There's conflict all the time. I mean, just pick a spot and you can find it. Right? Jaden and I traveled to uh, Irvine on Friday. And coming back, there was conflict. Not between he and I, but between me and the 91 freeway. <laughs> I mean, I was one of those smart guys. I used the toll road. Came, we came down, and the the traffic was backed up into the toll road. So I can't handle that stuff. <laughs> I, <laughs> I said, Jaden, guess what? We're going to Los Angeles because the traffic's flowing that direction. <laughs> I, getting the, I just do. I go in the other lane. So I don't know where this is going, but at least it's moving. <laughs> it took us a little longer to get home because I kept driving where the traffic was flowing. I thought, man, this is all going west. <laughs> yeah, share a little of my, my uh, humanness there with you. In the world, you have tribulation. When you read the Psalms, there's, there's lots of them. I like around Psalm 31, 2, 3, 4, 5, in that area, you have the psalmist saying things like, God, help me, they're trying to kill me all the time. I can't get away from these bombs. They're after me, and life's bad, and it's horrible. And yet, and then he turns, and he says, Yet I trust in you. You'll find these two things married in the scripture. Peace and trust. Yet I trust in You. There's conflict all around me. There's war raging against me. I have, there are groups that are after me, to assassins that want to take me out. Don't you feel like that in the spirit sometimes? Like the enemy's just got your name, and you know he reached in the hat that morning and says, "Oh, assassinate them," <laughs> and he's been after you all day, chasing you down and just everything against you. And there's conflict and conflict and things just aren't going right, and you you almost get sucked into it. But in that moment, you say, "Wait a minute! I trust in You." In the New Testament, the word for trust is to lean the full weight of who you are on somebody else. It's that picture of putting somebody behind you and leaning on them so much so that if they move, you drop. You can't save yourself. Jesus, I trust. I lean the full weight of who I am on you because I know you're trustworthy. You won't move. You already told me you'll never leave me and you'll never forsake me. Those were your words, Jesus. You said, if I trust in you, I've got it made. Even if things aren't working out right, I've still got it made. For me, the perfect picture of, of peace in the midst of conflict really makes my palms sweat when I discuss it. But I like it. I, I understand these guys in these big four-prop airplanes. I forget which one it is, but they, they can fly real slow. It's kind of lumbering along in the air. And they go to where the hurricanes are with all their measurement devices on board. And they fly right into the, that big round part of the hurricane that we all see the cloud. And they, they enter it at just the right speed. And then they fly with it, and they can fly right through and pop out into the eye. And they say that inside the eye of the hurricane, it's almost deadly silent. It's so peaceful and serene. And then they just set their, their their forward motion to move with it, and they can fly right along inside of it. So the only noise in there is their own engines. I thought, I want to go on that ride. <laughs> <laughs> now, if the guy that's doing the flying isn't married and have children, I'm not going. He's married and has kids, and he wants to get home. I'm going with him. Because the miles per hour on that thing that it's circulating, if you enter at the wrong speed, will just shred the plane. I mean, they won't even find a piece of it. They'll just be splinters. I don't want to be splinters. I do want to live forever in heaven, but I'm not anxious. But I think that this picture for me is probably the most definite picture I could ever find that when life is roaring at 400 miles an hour around you and it's splintering everything in its path, you have a choice to jump into the eye where Jesus is and trust and say, let it it roar all around me. All I can hear is tranquility and rest. You can't get that from outside yourself. You can't buy it. It's not available on sale at Toys R Us. Peace. Peace. This chapter in Ephesians and Galatians, I won't take us to those passages, but there's a sentence by Paul that says, For he himself is our peace. He himself is our peace. The discussion is about Jews and Gentiles in that passage, chapter 2, where Paul's saying that God took of the two, the Jews and the Gentiles, <clears throat> and he pulled down the middle wall that separated them which was the law. Jesus abolished that law and made of the two one man and one body, so that in that one body he would be glorified. In Galatians he says to them directly, we're called the uncircumcision by that which is called circumcision. In other words, the Jews refer to us as Gentiles. If you're not Jewish, you're a Gentile, that's it says, but I'm telling you, Paul, who himself was a Jew, said, circumcision or uncircumcision makes no difference. What makes a difference is being a new creation, coming to Jesus and letting him give you second birth. Becoming born again, that's what makes a difference. And he himself is our peace. There's a process that we can involve ourselves in in obtaining and hanging on to peace. You say, well, what's my role? Here it is, Isaiah 26. What do I need to do? Well, first of all, as we've discussed, you have to surrender to Christ. You have to give your heart over. You have to take your heart and say, I'm no longer in charge of this. You are. And when I take it back from you from time to time, please forgive me because that's my nature. I tend to do that. But remind me so that I can give it back regularly, over and over. I've noticed that the times in my life where I take over the lordship of my own life is when I have the worst time. When I just make my own decisions and say, you know what, even in the face of the knowing of the word of God, and I decide to do something that's contrary to what I've understood, that's when conflict arises. And it's usually just conflict between me and God. You know, the conflict that exists between me and him way outweighs anything that would happen between you and I. You and I, I can handle you and I. You don't like me, that's fine, just don't tell me. It's my motto. It's okay if you don't like me, just don't tell me. Because then I can live in ignorance and it's fine. But if I'm in conflict with the Father, whew, that weighs heavily. What is my role? What is my responsibility? Is there human responsibility to obtaining this peace that, that Jesus brings? Isaiah 26 says this, You, God, will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts in you. See the word peace and trust? They're in the, pretty close together. Because he trusts in you, peace is his portion. You, Father, will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. When's the last time you used the word stayed in a sentence? I bet no time in the last year, unless you were reading this verse, did you say, I'm going to stay my car in the parking lot. Or you'd say, I'm going to stay, I stayed my car in the staying lot. Basically, it just means to fix it in one spot. (laughs) I'm going to park. I'm going to, like in Hebrews chapter 12, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of faith. That's how we overcome difficulty, is by fixing our eyes on Jesus. Looking, gazing intently toward him is what that means. As the writer in Hebrews tells us, is look with expectancy. Look away from everything else and look to Jesus. That's staying your mind on him. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on you. Romans chapter 12, Paul was writing, said that how we have to renew our mind. How do we do that? By the word of God. By reading the word. Reading the word, knowing the word, applying the word to our life. Not just having a head full of knowledge about the Bible. Man, there are people out there that know the Bible better than me, but they don't believe it. They've studied it for other reasons. They'll get there someday, maybe. But I came to the place, you came to the place where we put faith in action and said, I don't understand all of it, but I'm having Jesus, please. I, I, I believe He's the Son of God. He was raised from the dead. He took my sins to the cross. I'm putting my trust in Him. And when we put our trust in Him, peace came. Maybe not peace for all the conflict and the problems that were happening in our life around us and the mess of our life that we had made it, but there was peace that came inside. And that's what we're talking about this season This Advent moment. Jesus comes to be the Prince of Peace. I need to stay my mind on him. I need to have active trust. Not just talking about it, but really having that active trust. I'm trusting. I'm trusting right now. I'm trusting in Jesus. I'm trusting that... That uh, he's in charge and I'm not. And I'm leaning the full weight of who I am upon him. And I know that while I'm leaning, he's not going to move. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles. I refer to this passage of the Bible as the great exchange. It's one of those passages that belong in all of the great exchanges. There's one in the Old Testament that says this. He gives us beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for mourning the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. This is what God has decided to do. And when he gives these things to us, he's saying, I want to make an exchange with you. Give me your ashes. Give me your mourning. Give me your spirit of heaviness. And as you give them and surrender them to me, I will give you praise, the garment of praise, the oil of joy, beauty, These are my great exchanges with you. You know, we don't deserve it, do we? My goodness. I don't deserve these things. There's nothing I can do to merit God's favor to the point of obtaining these things. It's only because he elected to make the great exchange. The first great exchange was at the cross. He said, I'm going to put Jesus here instead of you. Jesus said, I'm going to go there so you don't have to. Wow. The great exchange this is another great exchange passage Philippians chapter 4 by the way Paul is in jail (laughs) a little hurricane in his life things around him are I mean basically it won't be long from here to where he's going to give his first appearance in front of Nero Nero was known for lighting up his parties after dark by strapping Christians to poles and setting them on fire Let's have a night party. Where are we going to get the torches? Ah, got plenty of them. Get the Christians. Literally, tied them to stakes, put them in the air, and lit them on fire. And they were the lights for his night parties. Paul comes in front of Nero to give his testimony for Jesus. When he writes Second Timothy, he's telling Timothy, My time is at hand. I'm already being poured out. I gave my first appearance before Nero, and it didn't go. It went exactly like I thought it would, and uh, pretty soon my life will end. That's okay. I've run the race. I fought the fight. I kept the faith. And there's a crown laid up for me. Not only for me, but for all those that love His appearing. Paul was not afraid to die. But here he is in prison, and he's writing to others, and he says what? Verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Isn't that a great... We see this word all around us at Christmas time. Signs and lights that it's on our trees, and we have ornaments, and... Even the stores put it up. Rejoice. They don't know why they put it up. They're putting it up because somebody said, get it out of the storeroom, put it up. It's got to decorate. Get it out there. When we see the word rejoice, I hear these kind of verses. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. That means you rejoice the first time. You with me? Come on, catch up. Joy. You had joy the first time. Now you're going to rejoice. Oh, it didn't work. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. This word anxious in the Greek, by the way, way, means to have a divided mind. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't be thrown off in, in discord in your mind. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, Let your requests be made known to God. Prayer, general conversation with God, in which you dialogue with him and tell him the things that are necessary that you see about life in general. It's a general conversation. Supplication means you zero in on something. I need this from you. I'm after one thing or two things or three things. It's it's focused. And when you add thanksgiving, when you add thanksgiving, what you're actually saying is, I'm trusting Okay. Trust and peace go together. I'm trusting. I'm not going to be anxious. I'm going to let my requests, my conversations be known to God. I'm going to give Him my specific supplications about things. And then I'm going to begin to thank Him because thanksgiving means I'm trusting. I'm letting go. I can't answer these requests. Only you can. I'm giving them over to you. And now I'm going to just thank You, because you're in charge. I'm leaning the full weight of my trust on you And because of that, here comes the great exchange. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Lord, I'm talking with you. Lord, I'm being very specific about my supplications. And by the way, thank you, because I know you're in charge. I'm going to now lean the full weight of who I am and my trust upon you, because you're trustworthy and you won't move. You won't drop me. You won't leave me. You won't forsake me. I know all these things may not come out exactly the way I've asked for them to come out, but as long as I'm trusting you, would you make the great exchange? And he says, yeah, here's the peace that passes all understanding. To me, that's the eye of the hurricane. I cannot understand with my finite mind, even though the guys in the planes and all the students or whoever they are might tell me how it really works. I can't understand how that you could have four or five hundred mile an hour circular winds and have nothing going on in the middle of it. It passes by understanding. It far surpasses my ability to grasp. I spent some time in study. Yeah, I could catch up to speed, but I'm not interested in that. I like not understanding it. I'm not saying I like being ignorant. I'm just saying I enjoy the fact that it's bigger than me. And when he says, do these things, and I'll give you peace that surpasses... You're understanding. I don't need to understand it. I just need to have it. <laughs> we need it. Times of turmoil are just poking around us. We say, put me in the middle, Jesus. Put me on your lap. You're in charge. You're the Prince of Peace. Amen. You're the ruler of all things, and my life is in you. And like Paul, even if they take my life, so what? That's no big deal, because I get eternity with you. Whatever comes, I can have peace that passes understanding. We get a little thrown off, though, don't we? We're kind of talking about an ideal world, aren't we, here this morning? It's real. You can have it. How often do we get it? Only when we're trusting does it really manifest. There's a a passage in Isaiah 32. You don't have to turn there. It's four verses called The Peace of God's Reign. Then justice will dwell in the wilderness and righteousness remain in the fruitful field. The work of righteousness that is right standing with God. The work of righteousness will be peace. The effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. My people will dwell in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings and in quiet resting places. Though hail comes down on the forest and the city is brought low in humiliation, my people will be at peace this tells me that we can be in a nation where things are going bad and not going to wax too political here but things are not that great in America anymore are they things are tough things are getting a little different than we've expected it to be and I'm not trying to play the role of the prophet or say how it's going to go but I I do think things will get worse they'll get harder and we don't like to hear that you can't, you know, America's a big boy, and you can't play with it too much without hurting somebody's feelings. I love America. I love where I live. I, I'm glad I was born here. I, I you know, I sing when we, when I cry when we sing the national anthem, and, you know, I just love America. But America's not the answer. Jesus is. And if things get tough, and it hails in the forest, and the towns are wasted in humiliation, not necessarily by destruction, but we could humiliate ourselves in front of the world. And if that happens, even though I live inside of it, and Pastor Suresh, even though he lives in India, things aren't going that well for Christianity in India, right? But he lives inside the country, and where things are happening all around him, he can have peace that surpasses his understanding. I would be, if I didn't give you the other side of the coin, I would be unfair, so let me just tell you in Isaiah 48, Verses 18 and 22 and Isaiah 57, 21, it sums up this way. God said it, I did, there's no peace for the wicked. And, and you know, we kind of smile out of one side of our face and go, that's right, there's no peace for the wicked. On them. The other side should be in a frown. It says, there isn't any peace for them. That means all of the friends that we have who have not yet, known Christ. They have no peace. I mean, they don't have any way of getting it except through Him. They're going to live in what they think is a normal life, and it's not normal. It's below normal. It's without peace. It's without any kind of security as well, any hope of the future. They're just kind of existing day to day. Our relatives are family members. Some of them without Christ still. We realize they have no peace. God calls them the wicked, as you and I were as wicked as they. But there's no peace for them. So don't be surprised if at some of your family gatherings for the holidays, there's turmoil. Because that's normal for them, to live in turmoil. And they think it's how things are always. And they think you're weird. Because you don't get turmoil like they get turmoil. You, don't, you seem to have that funny smile on your face like something just went your way and nobody knows what it is yet what is it about you? you always got that grin or you always have that demeanor you don't seem to be shaken by things well, because I learned how to pray and supplicate and give thanks I've made the great exchange I have a peace that passes understanding and it's not just for me, it's for you too you don't have to be wicked the rest of your life You can surrender to Christ. You can give him your heart. And he will also impart to you peace that passes all understanding. It's an old hymn, Wonderful Peace. The chorus says, Peace, peace, wonderful peace, coming down from the Father above. Sweep over my spirit forever, I pray, in fathomless billows of love. Let me close kind of back where we started. The Lord bless you. And keep you. The Lord make his face. Shine upon you. And be gracious. To you. The Lord lift up. His countenance. Upon you. And give you in Jesus name Amen Amen. you can go home now